0: And welcome to the Sarah Explains It All podcast. Today we are or I am so excited to have Nicola with me. Nicola is a health and wellness coach helping busy women to build new habits for their well-being. I know I need all the help I can get. Having been made redundant from, her, from the corporate world in early 2021, Nicola made a big decision to flip her career and enter the entrepreneur world. Launching Life Now Coaching. Nicola has lived with anxiety and panic disorder for over 26 years. And along with other health challenges she's experienced, she has learned through the power of moving her body daily and putting the right habits in place the difference these steps can make to your overall well being. She believes that living a great life and feeling happy results from the way you take care of your mind and body and I am a huge huge believer in moving the body I'm a yoga teacher so let's get up let's move um Nicola thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast how are you hi Sarah thanks for having
1: me yes I'm really good
0: Fantastic. Now, let's talk about your journey to where you are now. So I know it says in your bio that you were made redundant in early 2021. Now, I know that was me. My self-worth would tank because I wrap so much of my self-worth in a title. So tell me, how did you manage that? How did you mentally manage that redundancy to get you where you
1: are today? Yeah, it was a really tough time. It it happened very quickly and I'd been with the company I was at for 20 years. So, you know, being part of that company and the job that I was doing was very much part of how I defined who I was. And I was really happy in the job that I did. Um, I had no plans to leave, to move on. I certainly didn't feel as though I'd come to the end of the road in my career there. Um, So it, it was quite a shock. And one of the first things that I thought about was that I was coming up to 45, which I know it isn't old, but I felt as though that age would have an impact on what I would do next. And I live in the northeast of England. As you can probably tell from the accent um, and I felt as though that was another obstacle because there weren't very many big companies you know here I was working for Nike I you know was part of a huge global brand so there's not very many other companies like Nike that you can get a job with around the Newcastle area um, and yeah just felt really daunted by the prospect of having to start looking for a job going into interviews you know being up against younger people I'd seen a lot of very young confident capable people coming into Nike through especially the last few years and that was quite scary as well because you had these you know 20 very early 20 somethings coming straight out of uni into our company being you know super confident and really energetic and very different to how I was when I first started work and so I often would compare myself to them as well so thinking about being up against those young people going out for interviews was really scary and I just felt really stuck as in you know I didn't know what the next move was going to be so there was a lot of work to do mentally. As I said, it did happen quite quick. So I literally had a few weeks to kind of wrap my head around it before I actually had left. Um, So I was still very much working through the, you know, all of the mental challenges and thoughts and feelings that were coming my way when I did leave at the end of March.
0: Yeah, well, it's such, first of all, can I say thank you for pronouncing it Nike and not Nike, (laughs) which a lot of people do here. So yay, well done you. I'm clearly from America, which is why I'm like Nike all the way. Um, It can be such a mind blowing experience to lose, almost to have that identity ripped away from you. And then the comparisonitis that we do, because it is natural, we are going to compare ourselves what we do with that comparison it takes a bit of working on I think because naturally we will or I will and a lot of people I know will compare myself and then continue to belittle myself because I am not what I view them to be and it's really difficult or challenging to Swip or switch that flip, I suppose, you know, to not be belittling, but to show what you've got and to see what your qualities are that you have to give to the world. And to be honest, we have absolutely no idea what that other person is, is actually doing. We can provide a facade on the outside and not be performing that way on the inside or actually doing that. So what made you jump to this coaching side, what spurred that interest?
1: Yeah, so it's quite interesting because I didn't have this plan in mind when I knew that I was leaving Nike and it didn't come about straight away either. I think part of the journey that I went through in the redundancy was really evaluating where I was at in life and that fear of going out into the job market and searching for another job with another company I guess (laughs) was a good thing in a way because it really made me think about whether that was actually what I wanted to do and because I was so scared of how I would handle that and and all of you know the challenges and rejections that would probably happen through that process made me think actually I think I should try to do something else and you know Nike obviously one of the biggest or if not the biggest sports brand in the world I was super passionate about the vision like you have to move your body every day, you know, and that through making sport a daily habit, you can really build a strong body and mind. And I guess that was the catalyst that then got the ball rolling to think, well, what could I do with that? How can I use the skills and experience I already have to do something else, you know, to make a living from something that, isn't going to be going back out into the corporate world through my career at Nike I'd also been a coach in different forms so I'd managed and led different teams you know managed um different projects and just mentored and and worked with people who I wasn't necessarily managing and that was something that I really loved as well and I'd often thought about the coaching world because again when I worked at Nike I had experiences of of working with different coaches for my own personal development and training so it just took probably about three or four months of working through different thoughts and ideas to think about what that would mean in terms of my next job and that's where the coaching idea came from It, it started really with deciding to train to become a personal trainer so I didn't want to be a personal trainer and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with it. But because I had that opportunity after being made redundant to invest a little bit in my own, you know, learning and development and because of how much I I feel, you know, about the, the impact moving your body has on your life, I thought, you know, this is a chance for me to take that the next step and learn more about exercise and movement and nutrition and how you can really you know maximize that to have a strong life so I decided to start training as a PT and then like I say everything else just kind of came together to evolve into this concept of becoming a health and wellness coach.
0: Fantastic and how have you found that ethos of moving your body every day how have you found that to help with your mental health and your anxiety and panic disorder that you've
1: had? I mean it's just incredible really you know moving your body has so much impact on your mental and physical health it really is very powerful in lifting your mood you know your thoughts your happiness I don't find exercising easy I find going to do exercise easy because I've built a very solid habit in making a part of my lifestyle but the exercise itself is never easy and it shouldn't really be easy you know if you're doing a hard exercise obviously walking's a bit different or you know maybe a nice cycle but the power of pushing through an exercise you know workout is really incredible for your mind you know having to constantly keep saying i can you know do this whether it's a star jump or high knee runs or lifting some weights you know being having to push your mind through that move and do two more reps or do one one more set or whatever it might be is is really amazing for you know boosting everything your confidence your belief in yourself and forgetting about anything else that might be going on because all you're thinking about in that moment is getting through that workout you know you might be saying I can't do it I can't do it but you actually are doing it and you keep pushing yourself so that at the end you go wow you know I did do that and you've had 20 minutes 30 minutes whatever it might be of just thinking only about what it is you're doing in that workout so for me it has been incredibly powerful and you know it doesn't necessarily take that anxiety away, but it is starting to tap into some of the root causes of it, which can be things like, you know, lack of self belief and self worth and stress is obviously a huge thing that exercise can really help to manage and, and balance out. So, yeah, definitely for me, it's made a huge difference in how I live my life. And I started my exercise journey probably about 20 years ago when I did first start at Nike. I hated exercise. I actually laughed when I got the job at Nike because I was the furthest from what I thought was a fit to that kind of company. You know, at school, I was absolutely rubbish at piggy and sports. I dabbled in netball and rounders and athletics, but I was never very good. And I honestly can say I didn't enjoy it. I just did it because I wanted to be part of something. So I really did dislike exercise and it took a long time of trying different things and doing it just because it was there and you know available through what I was doing at Nike and and how people were starting to go to the gym and things but it probably really took off for me in the last 10 years where I really started to value and see the part that exercise was playing in my lifestyle and you know how I was able to bring more I guess, more calm, more belief, more control over the way that I was living? Mm,
0: I was the official scorekeeper in high school (laughs) because I was rubbish at sports. When I met my husband, I was like, I'm allergic to sweating. Like, don't (laughs) even. And again, for me, like, I have always, I think I've always aspired to be someone who worked out and who was a runner. And I, you know, I was running before I got pregnant and then stopped because that was just running was never my thing anyway. And it was the pandemic and the lack of control. I think that really opened up my mind to doing other forms of exercise. I loved bar, a friend of mine had a, um, I think it was beach body. And she was like, look, I never use it. Here's my login. I paid her for the subscription." Um, And I discovered bar and it was amazing. And then last year in January, I discovered weightlifting and I go to the gym four times a week minimum now to do that. And it's the I feel so accomplished when I'm done. You know, I get in. I'm doing it. Like you said, my mind is only focused on what I'm doing, the weights I'm lifting, the exercising exercises I'm performing Um, and then the amount The feeling of accomplishment, especially on those mornings when I'm getting there for 6 a.m. and I really don't want to be there for 6 a.m. And I do my 30 minute, 45 minutes and I come out of there and I'm like, do you know what? Wow. And it has been beneficial and instrumental, particularly during this pandemic that we've been going through for the past, what, two and a half years now, maybe, it has been instrumental in helping my mental health and keeping my anxiety. Whilst I still had anxiety attacks and I still had challenges with my mental health, I think if I hadn't been doing the exercise and performing something physical every day, it would have been such a more difficult situation, dire even, you know? And I think, Encouraging people of any age, like I'll be 40 in June. So it's not like I got into exercise at 20 or 15 or whatever it is. Anybody can come into physical movement, whether it's walking or, you know, sitting down and having a little bicycle thing that you pedal your feet on, like whatever it is, anyone can come into movement. My grandmother's nearly 80 and she's now starting to walk like a mile or two miles a day, you know, and anyone at any age can come into it and just experience that what's the word i'm looking for like the euphoria of actually doing it because there's so much we can't do in the pandemic now when just in life in general that when you can accomplish something that is good for your body good for your mental health good for your physical health all of that stuff it just makes it so much better i think um Yeah, I don't know if you have anything you want to say to that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, your story is so similar to so many others in that, you know, you haven't got a history of being sporty from school all of the way through. And that's something that can put a lot of women, especially off exercise, because they think they don't know what to do. They can't do it. They're not capable of doing it. They're going to look stupid in front of other people in the gym. And honestly, exercise, I mean, I I tend not to use the term exercise when I talk about it in my groups. I talk about movement, you know, moving your body, because it doesn't have to be what you think of when you do think of exercise. Like you just said there, it can be anything. It can be just going for a walk, you know, whether it's with friends. If you have a meeting, pop your headphones in. Is it one that you can do while you're walking outside? You know, there's so many new ways now that you can achieve moving your body without having to go to a gym or having to do what you would typically associate as being exercise so I think you know for for any women who are listening thinking you know I've always wanted to start and know that I should be doing it but it does feel too hard it's just about taking that first step and you know making that step the hardest thing to do but once you've taken that first step it does get easier because everything we've just spoke about with those feelings you get even if you do hate it and you're out of breath the whole way through believe me at the end you will be giving yourself a pat on the back you know you will feel tough that you've done it and that's what makes you then want to do it again and as you keep doing it it does then form a habit and that's the thing that I really talk about a lot in my coaching is the habit because habits are so powerful and once you've built that habit that's it you know you, you will do it like I said earlier for me fitness exercise into my day and actually going to do the exercise just happens naturally because I've made it part of who I am and how I live you know so you will get to that point where it can become something that floors rather than being a chore on your to-do list that you have to get to.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talk about habits. I say we, I talk about habits. It's being small hinges that swing big doors because of the little habits. So if your big overall habit is that you want to be healthy, well, what are smaller habits you can do? For example, I want to drink a lot of water during the day. Buy an amazing, really large glass and fill it up and carry it around with you. And then you will, by that habit, drink more water. If it's to take supplements or vitamins or vitamins, put that next to your breakfast bowl or your coffee cup because you are not gonna forget that habit or your cup of tea on a morning. And it is about those habits that you are building Tiny habits is a huge phenomenon now. I think from um, oh, fog is his last name. I will link it in the show notes. But tiny habits are exactly what you need to do in any area of your life that you want to improve, whether it be movement, physical movement, whether it be mental health, whether it be menstrual cycle awareness or menstrual health or women's health with your hormones. There are little things that you can do, and all of those little habits build up to the bigger picture. It isn't, and I think we probably do this a lot more often than not, we don't start with those little habits. We don't start with the 40 ounces of water a day. We start with the three gallons of water a day and you're like, oh my gosh, it's so big. How can I do that? So on that note, what are your top five tiny habits or little habits to combating anxiety or if you even want to talk about it from the movement side of it because I think those habits will also help to combat anxiety and and stress and and overwhelm so what would your top five little habits be a day to combat anxiety stress overwhelm to improve movement whatever
1: you prefer yeah that's a great question um <laughs> I mean, there's lots of different things that can really help you with regards to anxiety. And anxiety is very broad, isn't it? You know, people deal or suffer with anxiety in so many different extremes. I think the first habit is to take literally just five or ten minutes every day to switch off. So whatever that might be, find something that works for you. So for me... I like to do and, and again this doesn't necessarily happen every day but I have really tried to build this up over the last 18 months is to do a little meditation or breath work now meditation can be a very scary word for a lot of people and they think about sitting cross-legged and um and you know and on while they're doing it but it's not and I'm definitely not someone who would like to do something like that but I've found some really nice very short meditations that just help uh, slow your mind because i really struggle to slow my mind so five or ten minutes a day it doesn't have to be meditation or breath work even if you just literally walk out of your front door to the end of the street and walk back but finding something that enables you to just switch off even if it's just sitting on the bed for five minutes put the timer on and just close your eyes and just yeah so that that's something and what you mentioned there sarah about tiny habits I talk about habit stacking associating a new habit with something that already exists so like you said about putting the vitamins next to the coffee cup maybe you could do that five or ten minutes on the morning when you have your coffee you know that time might not suit everyone but trying to say right in the morning when I make the drink the first thing I'm going to do is just sit and pop some headphones in and put a meditation on or I'm just going to sit silently or I'm going to read a book for 10 minutes you know find something you already do successfully and add that new habit to it and that's a really good way to build the habit and the second thing yeah is definitely to move your body every day I do absolutely believe that this has so many impacts, including, you know, a positive impact towards any anxiety that you might be feeling, especially if it is stress related. So find a way to do something that you enjoy. And you know, again, building that into a habit isn't easy, but it can happen and believe that it will happen. Find again a way that you can create a habit. So could you always do it on a lunchtime, for example? Or is there, you know, another point in the day when you do something else where you could fit in 20 minutes to take a walk or, you know, put a free workout on YouTube. So definitely moving your body every day. Another one, which might sound a bit strange, but this is something that I started doing quite, I I can't remember if it was early in 2021 or a bit before that, we were doing a wellness thing at work and I led a, a bit of a project with our team. And I talked about, laughing and smiling and the power that that has and what I started doing for quite a few weeks was writing down every day three things that had made me laugh or smile because quite often we don't realise that we've laughed or smiled and when you start reflecting on where you have done that that can have again like an enormous Kind of second benefit, because you you already probably felt some nice things when you did it, but you weren't conscious that you were doing it. So when you come back and reflect and think, oh, that was really funny when I saw that today. Perhaps you were driving the car and you know, you saw some kids playing outside and it just brought a smile to your face. If you reflect on that later in the day, you'll smile again, and that does have a really positive impact onto your brain and the way that you think and feel at that point in time. So yeah, try and to do that. And then what, when you do start reflecting on it, you actually start looking for more things that make you laugh and smile. So it has kind of that ripple effect of, of making you feel happier and and uh, yeah, smiling and, and getting those nice endorphins going again. So that's three. Um, the fourth one is to connect with people socially as well, because it, that does have a huge, benefit on how you feel and you know talking to people it doesn't have to be about you know any negative things that you might have going on or that anxiety you're feeling but just having a conversation with someone obviously the pandemic has changed things for a lot of people still with you know where we're at with regards to social interaction especially for those people who have gone to pretty much full-time homework and so just trying to connect you know even if it's just sending a voice message because you co- you haven't got time to have that direct conversation but just you know finding a way that you can make something to your way to have that social interaction is really powerful as well and then um the final one is definitely to look at your bedtime routine for good sleep is you know there's so many different habits you can create to enable you to have enough quality sleep and that's something that I'm not great at. I, I keep consciously trying to improve my bedtime routine and then something happens like I got COVID and then it was, you know, completely um out of sync for a good few weeks and then Christmas and then it's you know kaput again. But trying to find things that help you to be mindful about preparing for sleep because sleep is one of the most powerful things in how we feel you know moving your body will help you to sleep better but sleeping well will also help you to have the energy to move your body and it also can really help with you know those feelings of stress and anxiety depression things like that you know having a good night's sleep can really make a world of difference so have a look at what you could do to help prepare for sleep again whether it's just some mindfulness breathing before bed reading a book, not having digital devices on too close to bedtime, a nice skincare routine, you know, maybe massage and cream in your hands, just it can be really small things, but things that you do to help tell your mind every night that it's time for bed, making those habits, you know, be part of that bedtime routine can be really impactful. And I love that. I think
0: Anything that you can do, any of these small habits. I mean, the big thing for me, like the whole switching off, I'll use music or reading a book, or uh, my husband loves loose leaf tea. And so he'll use that as a time to just sort of switch off or I make a cup of coffee and that's five minutes so that's those are always because you're already doing like I'm already going to make a coffee in the morning trust me so that's a great way to just habit stack which I love that term um on top of something I'm already doing to just improve that for me mentally emotionally physically um The laughing and the smiling suggestion, that's fantastic. I genuinely will start doing that one. I love it. I think it's great. I can think about stuff, you know, my daughter has said, and it's like, oh, yeah, and it makes you feel really happy again or it makes you feel like chuckling or whatever. And those endorphins are so important, particularly when you aren't necessarily feeling your best. So I love those. They're brilliant. Mm. I'll make up a little graphic with those on as well for the, um, for Instagram and I'll send it oh, to you so good. you can share it with your, with your followers as well. Now, Nicola, I've got all of your social media things, which I will be putting up. Did you have anything else that you would like to say to the um, listeners or if you have a freebie or anything like that that you wanted to talk
1: about? Do uh, do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Yeah, I do have a freebie and hopefully it's something that can help because I know that for many women, the thing that stands in their way of creating healthy lifestyle is often time so that's the number one thing that people say is the barrier to change and creating these new habits is I just don't have time you know whether it's exercise whether it's changing the way you eat you know prepping meals for work putting that sleep bedtime routine in place people always say it's time and my guide has some great tips with just helping you to look at little things you could do to change to try to make those first steps because we do all have the time it's just how we prioritize the time you know all of us are really busy especially women you know with jobs if we do have families life is really busy but It is possible to create new habits, to make them just part of how you live and flow without it having to be, you know, great big task on a to-do list that you need to put on there to remember it. So hopefully the guide can give you a a good, you know, starting point to look at little things that you might be able to change just to, to get that time to start putting in place things like a daily exercise routine or a a nice bedtime routine fantastic thank you the final thing i would say is just with regard to you know health and wellness there's always a lot of focus on exercise and as we've said it is super powerful and definitely should be part of a healthy lifestyle but you know there are lots of things that have to be balanced together because you could exercise every day but still feel really unhealthy if you have other things that are not the way they should be in your life like sleep stress you know what you eat and the mindset is a huge thing so that's something that I work a lot on as part of the health and wellness coaching I do is the mindset because that you know trumps everything doesn't it the the subconscious is so powerful we don't realize that and that's what can really hold us back and tell us that we can't do it or we're not worth it and you know, we're not good enough to be able to exercise or change or have that healthy lifestyle we see other people having. So yeah, definitely having that belief is something that you really need to start with, to then make sure that you can be successful at having an exercise routine or a good nutrition diet and and so on.
0: And also, I think to remind people that all of that is very personal. So what you class as an exercise routine may not be exercise for me. Lifting weights may not be what you like to do for your exercise or your movement or whatever it is. You know, I'm a yoga teacher. I don't really practice yoga that much anymore. So it is about finding what works for you and having a coach there to hold you accountable, to trying new things or to talking it through or to bouncing ideas off of is also really important. Um, And I think it is really beneficial for people to know that it is personal your bedtime routine will most likely not work for me and mine will most likely not work for you um and to it's trial and error you have to try things to see what works and what doesn't now The last question I'm going to ask you, because this podcast started off as a menstrual cycle awareness period podcast. So I would love to know if you have a period positive or period neutral story as a woman that you would like to share with the followers or the listeners.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a really interesting question, because I think for me, when I think of periods and you know menstrual cycles and probably a lot of people are the same you automatically go to the negative exactly that's which, is, <laughs> which, which is why I right. ask for the positive yeah. um I've had a lot of problems with my periods over the years but I think what I would say is positive is that I've always been able to talk to people about it you know I've it's not something that I would feel comfortable posting on my social media, even though I'm doing health coaching, which is interesting I should probably think about. But I, I do feel comfortable having conversations. Like, I've always spoke to my parents about it, you know, what my husband I'd speak to about it. I've got a daughter who's just turning 14 and she started her period um, not so long ago, having that conversation with her. So I think, for me, being quite open about us with friends with family has probably been a positive thing to help you know me accept what I was experiencing through the years and with my monthly cycle
0: and also just again as we talked about before we started recording this podcast is just that conversation so that other people like your conversation and what you live Having that with your aunt or a friend may open up their eyes to realize that they aren't alone or maybe they've had a conversation with someone and they could go, oh, Nicola, you really should have a conversation with Fiona because Fiona's going through a very similar time with her cycle. And then you can almost buoy each other up isn't the right term, but you can support each other in knowing even if you never have a conversation, you are supported in knowing that someone else is going through something similar. And I think as women, we are taught to think the negatives about many things in our lives, not just our menstrual cycles. We're always taught that it's a burden or our cross to bear, or we must think of the negatives, or it's only one week out of the month, we can do it. When actually it is so much more and having those conversations like you were saying is a great way to start opening up those doors and opening up the eyes that it isn't always negative and it isn't always downputting and something that we don't want to have to deal with in actual fact we should be embracing the fact that we have a menstrual cycle and all of the tools it comes with and also all of the warnings that it comes with as well in helping us to realize that our mental health isn't as great or our physical health isn't as great as it could be um so thank you for sharing that and thank you so much for being on the podcast today I'm looking so forward to sharing this episode with everyone out there
1: that's all right thanks so much for having me Sarah I've really enjoyed it fantastic see you soon
0: bye